you've probably done a chain analysis before. And if you haven't, it's pretty simple. It's going backwards through an event to find out where something ultimately went wrong. And this is done in therapeutic settings. Like where as a couple did you get off track in that conversation? Where as a teen could you have made a better decision? What was the branch point? What was, what was the point at which you went the wrong direction? I'm really thinking about this in terms of our country. So we don't have time, or I guess I could do a six-hour cast, but I think we might spend some time on a regular basis looking at that sort of chain analysis in relation to our country. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile. Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Huge thanks to Soda Weight Loss at sodaweightloss.com. Not only great partners of the program, but helping the podcast family be more healthy and stay a lot more independent of the party that, that hates us. Oh, and later this week, well, in fact, tomorrow, I'm very excited about a podcast called The Illusion of Respectability. Sometimes things just boom, happen. Believe it or not, it's a Dr. Phil thing. It just spoke to me. So we'll get to that tomorrow. Yeah, Dr. Phil. A chain analysis is an attempt to come back and say, what started this? So there's versions of that, say, in in engineering, uh, like forensic engineering. What was the first event that led to the collapse of the bridge? I mean, how how back can we go in history? Was it a a, a missed maintenance date? Was it, in fact, this crack? I mean, they, they try to do that. They do that in fires. You know, after the event in a fire. And people do it emotionally in therapeutic settings. You might go back and say, hey, at, you know, there's this huge conflict right now in the family. In a chain analysis sense, when was the point at which we had an opportunity to head this off? You know, so a common thing might be in families is there's time and a place. Like you might be very, very frustrated with your kid. And that might have been building up. And so your kid comes along and says, uh, can I go to Tommy's? And you say, you know what? You can go to Tommy's when, and you just boom, fire this stuff off. And your kid is just, you, you haven't been communicating it. It just blows up. And now your kid is confronted with this reservoir of, of frustration and anger and boom, So chain analysis might be, hey, you know what? Several days earlier, you noticed this pattern. The room wasn't getting clean. The homework wasn't getting done. Addressed earlier in a setting that wasn't emotional and not dropped on the child's lap, you have an opportunity then to head that off. So it would be a load of work. And I'm not wise enough to do it on my own. To go back to the very beginning to say, what were the branch, what was the branch point 
in terms of the United States getting to the point at which we're at. And we've been pushed into. We're, we're under attack. We're in a cold civil war. It's a cultural revolution that's being pushed down upon us. The Bible foretold it. Not necessarily the explicit tactics, but they, they, it's, it foretold us of this time. Um, nations are in some ways bound to fail because we're human beings. And the, the, the Bible shows us that, that all nations, all nations fail. There were nations that were very, very powerful that have disappeared functionally from the face of the earth. You, know, you read about the Babylonian king and, and the, the, the empire he ruled. It was as far as the eye could see, as far as a crow could fly. It was, it was everything. Well, that went away. And prophets have seen that. So the United States may not go away. And I pray to God it doesn't. I pray that the Lord turns people towards himself and he'll do that through us because the, the Lord has made clear this is the church age. It's our responsibility to turn people towards him in concert with him. We do our part, then God does his. It's really all God's part, but he asks us to work with him. But there's also the fact that nations are going to fall because human beings are fallen. I hope that the United States doesn't fall. So a first departure point for the United States may well be the departure from the great experiment, which is a populace governed at the consent of, a govern, of the governed and American exceptionalism, which doesn't mean American specialness, which is what the party and the left want it to be. American exceptionalism, we made an exception to historical precedent in that we are governed at the consent of the governed. In that we recognize there are God, that, that there's a God, and that that God created us, and in creating us communicated human rights that we have by virtue of having been created by the Lord. And the departure from that is, in my mind, what beset uh, the ultimate fall. But what was the first departure from that? I, I don't know that we have the capacity to find the first departure in that it's almost a foretold fact that it would depart. But if we were to go backwards, we might start where we're at today. We have abandoned a very important notion. We should have religious litmus tests for public office. Now, please hear me. I don't mean the government should have that. God forbid. We. Us. You and I. And religion isn't even really the right word. We should have a litmus test for how people view God. And how they communicate their faith in their life. And how it either informs their life and informs how they treat others or it doesn't. You know, if you were to compare, and I know this is a ridiculous comparison, but if you were to compare George Washington, a flawed man, to Cammie Harris, a flawed woman, uh, the flaws have multiplied. And more importantly, the flaws have been celebrated with Cammie Harris. Washington's flaws, he held people in bondage. That's, that's a massive 
a crime against God's design. Particularly in light of how the Lord Jesus explained the relationship between servants and bosses. Servants being in the Roman Empire, most people were a servant of some kind or another. And slavery was an old institution. George Washington was part of that era. And in Washington's defense, because there's much to defend about him. In fact, most of his character is to be defended. He was regarded as a very uh, civil and, and very kind keeper of people in bondage. If you've been to his home in, uh, in Virginia, you'll see the quarters. And they were considered, I remember asking, were these considered nice quarters? And the other guy said, oh, yeah. He was considered a very kind keeper of people in bondage. So to go from Washington, an educated man, a man who was doing land surveys at the age of 17, uh, a man of, of almost, it, almost ridiculously humble, a man whose first inaugural address, people were upset because they could not hear him. Uh, he refused to raise his voice for that because he spoke as a humble man. He spoke as a servant. And he did consider himself a servant of God most high. He didn't consider himself to be a boss. He, he derided the phrase president. He did not want it. In fact, again, if you go, on the, if you go to Washington, D.C., if they still allow them to speak these words, um, you'll learn that, that President Washington did not like being called president. In fact, after he was no longer president, he said, please just call me General Washington, if anything. Because he didn't like the, uh, the notion that a president was to be served. So you compare that to Cammie Harris. Now, she's supposedly vice president. That's the title she gets to wear. And to compare George Washington to Joe Biden would be unfair because Joe Biden doesn't run anything, nor does Cammie Harris. But Cammie Harris is unique in this way. She is, we, we're, we're to call her vice president because she sexually serviced a man named Willie Brown, who was married and twice her age. And through sexually servicing him, uh, she was given a job, powerful job in government. And then from that point on, she just used maneuvering and, and avarice to get to this point. She is wearing the mantle of vice president because she decided that she was no longer an Indian American. Now she was a black American. And she also then began to make this shift into someone who used to giggle and laugh about putting parents in jail for their kids being truant to now bailing out murderers and rapists and rioters. She is avarice defined. Uh, she spoke with Chuck Todd recently and Chuck Todd actually to his credit seemed a little shocked about what she said um, about the Southern border. She, she said, this. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. We also have to put in place a, 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 a law and a plan for a pathway for citizenship. Too many. So Chuck Todd, 
seemed a little bit shocked in that. And you listen to the answer to Cammie Harris. A godly person can't give that answer. We, we have a secure border in that uh, it's a priority for us. This is very much like someone who is sitting at a table in Las Vegas and has just lost their entire 401k and retirement and is now um, is now contacting a bank about transferring cash out of their mortgage or out of their out of the equity rather in their home to Vegas saying, yeah, uh, finances are a priority for me in that it's, you know, or rather, yeah, I'm good with finances in that they're important to me. A godly person can't do that. When George Washington was offered the opportunity to become king, and they said, hey, be our king. And then after that, of course, you'd have this, this, this insanity where only Washingtons could rule, not govern rule. And he said, no. You, you think of like, hey, can you defeat the British? George Washington, I don't think so. Only with God's grace, I don't think I can do this. George Washington communicating to his, his friends and confidants that, man, we're in trouble. And Cammy Harris floats this silly, <laughs> almost laughable, but it's not because there's people victimized by this lie. If we were to take this from a religious perspective or better yet, from a godly perspective, Cammy, she can't tell the truth. That, that is a lapse from, I mean, that is quite a travel from someone who Washington told the truth and did some truthfully bad things like the keeping of people in bondage to someone who legitimately cannot tell the truth. Second example of this is Cami Harris talking about an oath. I mean, this is something to behold. Here she speaks of... Well, you might say being an oath keeper. Look, we're at the 21st um, marking, if you will, of the September 11th attacks. Yeah. This was a foreign terrorist attacking our democracy, yeah. attacking this country. Yeah. We're now as a nation battling a threat from within. Is the threat mm. equal or greater than what we faced after 9-11? That's an interesting question. Um, I have held many elected offices as district attorney, attorney general, senator, now vice president. And there's an oath that we always take, which is to defend and uphold our constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We don't compare the two in the oath, but we know they both can exist and we must defend against it. So when she says that's an interesting question, and she said that, says it that way. It's my suspicion, and I don't want to provide false witness. I'm trying to be better about this um, because I would have said, I guarantee she knew that question in advance. Well, I can't guarantee that. That would make me a provider of false witness and a liar. So I would tell you this. It's my strongest suspicion that her response, oh, that's an interesting question, is to call attention to the question. Well, that's an interesting question. And her response, just do a quick glance. We departed 
from exacting a cost to public officials who blatantly violate that oath. I'm sorry, we don't do enough charging with treason. We don't. That woman raises money for a terrorist group. That terrorist group burned American cities and she kept raising money for them. That's treason. That terrorist group begged to get cops killed and it worked multiple times. It's still working. The 100 to 200% increase in the murders of cops, ambush murders, is directly tied to Black Lives Matter Incorporated for whom Cami raises money. That's treason. It's an attack against this country that she has helped fuel. She is part of an organization that's either through, and and in her case, it's my guess that it's pure avarice. It's her hope that one day she'll get to be president sexual service provider. Because there's nothing else on her resume that she's ever done of note or of import, or that's godly. Well, not that sexually servicing someone, not your husband, is godly. But Cammie Harris is part of an organization that is slicing apart American institutions. Tomorrow, again, when we go through this Dr. Phil analysis, and believe me, you'll see how this Phil things fits. It's this episode tomorrow called The Illusion of Respectability. We have a military that is inserting division into the ranks. You think that a lot of women in the military are happy about being forced to stand in the shower with men watching them shower? I I bet not. You think a lot of West Point cadets are happy being told, hey, if you're white, you are the problem. If you're black, you are the solution. You think that's creating great unit cohesion or battalion cohesion. She's part of that organization. You know, when Washington crossed the Delaware, he was cold too. I'm not going to say that, that general Washington didn't get things. His troops didn't, but I'm going to say that he was in the field with them. And you know, he was, And he was at risk of being shot. And you know he was. And yeah, he was a hard man. As a general, he was a hard man. He did some hard man things. And he was out with them. And his neck was on the line. And had he been captured by the British, he would have been hung for treason or worse perhaps burned at the stake for treason. We've stopped applying teeth to the oath. Now, when you make an oath to God, which we're not to do, by the way, not without strong consideration, because we're trying to bind God to something. But when we make an oath, well, it should have teeth. Otherwise, it's just words. And that's so much of what we have departed from is is oaths meaning something. 
So in a chain analysis, if you go back through history and you look at a point where we used to prosecute treason, I think we had less of it. Now we can't even call treason what it is. Cammie Harris is treasonous. She continues to be treasonous. She's avaricious. She's empty. She's duplicitous. She's godless. And that's something I feel very comfortable saying, that she's godless just through observation of everything she's done in her career. So in a chain analysis, our job is to have a religious litmus test. No, it's a, a godly litmus test for everybody we hire. Because there's other examples of this, like with the liar who runs the Department of Homeland Security and what they did on 9-11. Oh, wait till you hear this. Hey, there are really cool new things uh, going on at Allen's Artisan Soaps. You know that young Allen um, has gotten now out of the hospital. He's back to work. And I am so, so thrilled to know that he's back at work and back in school. And he's doing, I mean, the number of surgeries this young man's going to have to go through in his life are extraordinary. They've added some new bundles to the allensoaps.com slash Todd universe. That's A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. The first is a red, white, and blue bundle. It has watermelon basil. That's red, pure, which is white. That's that's unscented and lavender rosemary blue. It's it's together, packaged together for $19.99. Uh, that is a, a little bit more than 15% off. Normally you get 10% off with the code word Todd, T-O-D-D. So listeners of this podcast save 10% on the bundle price when they use the coupon code Todd. They always save that when they use the checkout code Todd. On that other package, it's a little bit higher than that. The next, they have a botanical bundle. So this is consists of my favorite soap, which is cedarwood jasmine, lilac applewood. That's my family's favorite by far. Lavender rosemary, the same as above. It's a little bit greater than 15% off when you purchase it in the package. And you take 10% off when you use the coupon, coupon code Todd at the uh, checkout. And the last one, the new bundle is always summer bundle. And it takes vanilla lime with watermelon, ba- watermelon basil and comes with a sisal pouch, $16.99, 15% less than if you purchase it individually. Again, using the coupon code Todd saves 10% off the bundle price. So that's some of the new things that they've been doing here. And when you purchase this, you're also making a statement and you're making a statement to the big companies who are planning shortages. Oh, we, we, we forgot how to ship things and they're planning shortages. You're saying, guys, we know that this is just, just an act because if this little company with this young man who's so uh, radically impacted by autism and these structural health concerns can still continue to ship these soaps, made in America, all natural with three generations of family expertise behind them you can too and if they can employ young alan instead of robots you can too it's alansoaps.com slash todd a-l-a-n-s soaps.com slash todd going further down the chain analysis just some things to mention on 9-11 speaking of treason i don't think these things rise to treason but they rise to something else the 
the refusal to name enemies properly, like Cami Harris there is pretending, of course, that Donald Trump is the same thing as Al-Qaeda, which a lot of leftists are doing. The liar who runs the Department of Homeland Security, who's a professional liar. Uh, we run audio after audio after audio of him being questioned in Congress and being found to lie consistently, constantly, particularly about the disinformation board. Oh, it's a think group. No, it's not. No, you were doing business with it. We don't have teeth for lies. We have refused as a nation and in D.C. to put teeth in for lying. When you lie to the, to the government, if you lie, you're in trouble. He sits there in front of, uh, of Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley and Senator Grassley, lies through his teeth and he pays no penalty for that. When a public official demonstrably lies and you can put up the documents, you said this is a working group. Here's you in emails discussing censorship with, with Facebook. That's not a working group. That's an activity group. You're a liar. That should cost jobs immediately. You try that at your work, at your workplace, that's going to cost your job. You, your boss says, wait, you, you told me X and here is an email proving Y. You're done. So somehow we've allowed this illusion of respectability. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that topic to keep us from prosecuting lies by firing people. And, and the administrative state's part of this. We'll get to that. So Alejandro Mirkus on 9-11 Warned of threats posed by individuals in the United States, radicalized to violence by ideologies of hate, anti-government sentiment, false narratives propagated on online platforms, and personal grievances. On 9-11, anti-government, such as we're not going to be locked down again, such as we're not going to be forcibly injected. Such as you're not going to teach our kids that there's no such thing as boys or girls. Such as you're not going to teach our kids that, it, that, that their parents should let them watch the parents having sex, which is being taught in some of the government schools. No, that's not anti-government. That's pro, it's pro-morality. It's pro-common sense. It's pro-God. Now, contrast and compare. Fox News learned through a report that was leaked on 9-11. U.S. prosecutors may negotiate a plea deal with 9-11 architect Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and other conspirators. They just put a grandma in prison, well, in jail in D.C., which is treated like a, a terrible prison if you read what they're doing to these people. She's put in jail for months for walking around in the Capitol. That's not a plea deal. She walked around in the Capitol after she was let in. She took selfies. She harmed no one. And they're going to do a plea deal with a guy who's been in prison for 20 years for the worst act of the worst act of warfare attack on our soil since Pearl Harbor. Announced on 9-11. The oath to the United States has to mean something. Lying has to be punished. Thou shalt not lie. The Senate and the Congress must, must 
regain control over the administrative state. That includes if you lie to us, you're fired. You step in front of a, of a congressional committee or a Senate committee and we prove you lied, you're done. You work for us. Oh, he works for the administrative branch. That's right. He works for the president. Great. You're defunded. Your job position is gone. There's no funding for you. Your pension is defunded. Your department is defunded. All the people who work for you are defunded. You get a decision. You can resign or we're going to defund your entire department. They have to do this, but this takes godly people who will look at this and say, you're not just lying to the American people. You, you, you're lying and, and God knows you're lying. If we go through the chain of ana- chain analysis, another thing that, that just can't go unmentioned is the disastrous decision to make government school attendance compulsory. We are constitutionally obliged to educate people. I believe we are morally obliged to educate people. I think the Lord Jesus himself taught, well, I don't think he was called rabbi teacher. Now he was teaching about the kingdom of God. But if you look at the church he founded, what did they do? They helped invent universities. Why? Because they wanted people to speak multiple languages. Why? Because they wanted them to spread the word of God. They helped invent sciences and medical sciences. Why? Because they sought to understand in great granular detail the design of humanity as created by God Almighty because they wanted to look at God's work up close to better understand the creator, God Almighty. So they, they helped create that. They wanted, they created hospitals. Why? Because when the Lord Jesus gave the great commission and said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in my name and, and teaching them to follow my word. When he issued that direction to the apostles, they went and carried that out. And after the Holy Spirit touched them in Pentecost, when they had this massive baptism of people, 3000 at a time, the very next day or next two days or so, The apostles, you know, Apostle Peter was saying, who will go minister to the Greek widows? Who will go take care of the poor? Who will take care of people's health needs? Ministering is caring for. So they set up hospitals. So you had schools and hospitals and universities set up to glorify God and to serve the Great Commission. Then came this decision that was instituted by the technocrats of their age to make government schools compulsory. Now, there were homeschool exemptions and that still happens, but they're being attacked. But making something compulsory by the state has a very, very predictable outcome that once the state can compel you to do a thing, now they're going to, within that thing, compel even more. And this is bearing just the, just the most awful of fruit. And we're taught that a bad tree gives bad fruit and a good tree gives good fruit. Wait until you hear this conversation that Project Veritas had undercover with a middle school teacher and what she's doing to the Pledge of Allegiance. Project Veritas just it continues to do this great work. That's why the DOJ is targeting them. And they are, they're going to watch what they do to O'Keefe coming up. Mm-hmm. 
Such a great opportunity this weekend to have a fellowship, true fellowship with Tim Cruikshank from Bone Frog Coffee's friend Mike, also veteran. It's craziness. Turns out uh, that Tim knows um, the family of one of my friends, one of my new friends uh, from the, the freer, far more free country of our state of Idaho. Uh, it's all this, like, oh, the guy Tim stayed with is across the street neighbor of a friend of mine who's also my physical therapist. And then I get a note from a buddy who is a um, now retired Seattle cop. He sends me a note. Hey, heard that you got to meet with Tim. And, Tim, and then it turns out, though, wait, that that's your brother-in-law. And, and all of this bespeaks to me God's intervention. It really does. I, I believe, and I want to just give thanks right now to the Lord for the relationship with Bonefrog Coffee. And maybe I shouldn't do a, like, ask that you buy the coffee in this statement, but maybe just explain something I think that's happened in the podcast. I'm aware that you guys pray for us, and I'm so thankful that you do that. The things that are aligning behind the podcast are, they're miraculous. And of course, God can do these things. Um, and I do feel the sense of prayer from you guys. I want to thank you for that. The fellowship that I had with Tim and interacted with him one-on-one -on -one made me feel far more, even more concrete about the decision we made to partner with Bonefrog Coffee. And the things that are being done for them are extraordinary. There's some things coming up for Bonefrog that are absolutely amazing, including some, some perhaps Hollywood stuff. So if you're an early adopter to Bonefrog Coffee at bonefrog.us, thank you. If you're not yet an adopter, we do just ask that you try the coffee. Just bonefrog.us, find a roast that you like, try it. If you've not yet done it, we ask that you subscribe to the to, to a coffee service. That's what we do. And it all, until now, I've always paid for my coffee. Kim, Tim brought me some gifts of coffee, so we'll double up and I'll just drink more of it this, this month. It's bonefrog.us. And I want you to know that spending time with him and his friend, Mike, I am absolutely confirmed in my opinion that God created this partnership. And it's beginning to become more clear to me now why. It's not just the coffee. It's not just helping him grow this company that gives money uh, back to the, the, the community of fallen Navy SEALs. Tim is a Navy SEAL, 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL. It's not just that. There's far more to this. And I invite you to join this. Every bag says God country team for a reason, because those are the priorities of the company. It's bonefrog.us. Please make sure you use the .us. Continuing this chain analysis, and it would be difficult for us to do this all the way back to the very, very beginning. Because there's so much history that's gone by. And I don't know that we can find the the uh, the ultimate dropping point, the ultimate crack um, that led to this, or rather the first crack. I think that the biggest departure uh, may have come, if we're to go to a macro basis, it may have come when we decided to make school, government schools compulsory. And to force kids to go, if you don't know this, there was a time in New England uh, where parents did not want their kids to go to the government school and the government seized kids and took them to the government schools. Uh, at that time, that should have been a massive alarm bell. This is something a king would do. 
we will teach the kids in our design. That may have been the original jumping off point into tyranny as parents were forced to, their kids were taken from them and sent to the government schools. Now, if you look prior to that, there were some pretty learned men who did not have government schools. John Adams amongst them. John Adams, who made some dreadful, dreadful errors as president and let his human pride and fear, I think the enemy worked on him. Alien and Seditions Act later, that happened to Abraham Lincoln and power corrupts, and we know this. But they were also very learned men without the advantage of government schools because there's multiple ways to learn. Some people do need school. Some people do not need school. You think of, well, I mean, again, to, to go back to the Bible, you think of the change from, uh, of, of the apostle Peter from fisherman to philosopher, to theologian. I mean, there were plenty of times that the Romans would bring in Peter and, and, uh, and some of the, the apostles and say, who are these guys? Oh, it's just fishermen. And, and Peter would astound them. What? This guy's a fisherman? No, this guy's been taught by the Holy Spirit. So that may be an original point in our chain analysis that the country began to fall apart because when the government requires you to do something, the government gets to decide how that thing is done. And that's the case with this teacher that's the... Uh, the people at Project Veritas went and talked to. You gotta go out to the people who are not directly affecting. Yeah, if you're gonna throw a brick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the people that I can actually go and look at the chain. Yeah. We spent, I think, like a good two months. Yeah. We spent like, how are they organized? Like, what's their purpose? My kids, we don't stand up for the point. Our undercover journalist met up with middle school English teacher Arian Franco. Important. Yeah. How did you approach us? Like, we spent, I think, like a good two months. Yeah. Because I'm like, how are they organized? Like, what's their purpose? Yeah. You know, like, the ones that work, what did they do? Being loud. Oh, what's that? Being loud. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I told my students. I was like, guys, there's strategic ways to do this. You want to, um, and I brought up, like, crazy, like, organizations that have done this, like, yeah. they chose which places to yeah. throw bricks through. Yeah. They didn't do it to the, you know, to the black and brown community. Yeah. That's, like, doing it to our own community just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You gotta go out to the people who are not directly affecting. Yeah, if you're gonna throw a brick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at the people that I can actually do that change. Yeah. My kids, we don't stand up for the point. I'm a PLA teacher. We break it down. Yeah. Every line we break. At one point, when I first started challenging it, I had my kids change the way. I think we added up and, and we were fighting for those who, uh, who just does not adjust. Yeah. So, this is a teacher um, advocating that people carry bricks. And throw them, but but only at neighborhoods that are not, in her judgment, sufficiently affected by what's going on in the country. Someone changing the Pledge of Allegiance, taking the knee to Black Lives Matter Incorporated in a classroom with government money. We have not controlled the classrooms. And Republicans refuse to do it. They, they still curry 
oh, well, the teachers and, and more funding for schools. If you hear Republicans say more funding for schools, they mean more funding for Black Lives Matter Incorporated. They mean more funding for Planned Parenthood. They mean more uh, funding for, for, per, for perverting kids, for conning kids into believing they were born in the wrong body, for teaching them to be little sex bots, compliant little groomed sex bots. That's what they mean. They don't know they mean that, but it goes right back to godly. No one who walks in the light, no one who's been changed by Christ can watch a video of what is being taught in the schools and not say, oh, dear heaven, that's teaching people to hate, thou shalt not. That's teaching people to covet, thou shalt not. That's refusing to forgive, we're to forgive seven upon 77 times. That's keeping a list of grievances. That is not love in the definition of the Bible. We don't keep lists of grievances. We don't carry anger and resentment. Anyone who's godly would look at, wait, you're teaching people to enact violence on another to, uh, to, to go achieve a political objective? Wait a minute, you're a teacher who took a pledge of allegiance and now you're changing it? You can discuss it. You can dissect it. You can criticize it, but you're changing it? You're teaching your kids that, that not everybody's equally affected by the country and what's happening to the country, so go affect them. Yes, go to neighborhoods that have been made rotten by, by, by the party and, uh, and a so-called race of people, for that's a lie as well. Races are lies. Races of people who've been affected by the party being told that their only hope is old, decrepit, corrupt, old white women like Hillary Clinton. Godly people can't look at that and say, that's okay. That's politics. Everything belongs to God. There is no secular world. Politics belongs to God. You think he's not upset with what we've done, with what we've been given to steward? I, I, am, I feel certain he is. So departing from school as a choice of the parents, making this compulsory has had another interesting side effect. Um, since 2000, the year 2000, look at this growth. The number of students have increased in government schools by 8%. The numbers of uh, principals and assistant principals has increased by 37%. The number of administrators, paper pushers, has increased 88%. When you get, the government gets to demand a thing, they get to add to the thing. They get to make the thing, it services them. These so-called schools service those people. I remember a principal and vice principal. There's now principals and vice principals and vice principals of phys ed and vice principals of science and vice principals of equity, diversion, and inclusion. And the taxpayer pays the burden for every single one of those positions. And every one of those positions takes away from the ability to teach. Cost-wise, attention-wise. Republicans or anybody who values God or anybody who values freedom and God is pro-freedom will immediately insist that the government school unions should no longer be allowed to negotiate with their, their, their clients, 
government school unions, they get to negotiate with the people they give money to. That's not negotiating. Not to mention the effect on religious liberty. The New York Times just put out a hit piece on a Jewish school. Uh, they're, they're attempting to make religious schools act like the world because so far that's not worked with a lot of these schools. So the New York Times put out a hit piece. It's a Hasidic education organization. They put this hit piece out on the eve of when the New York State Board of Regents was, was posed to undermine the way this, this school teaches Jewish values. In a strange, strange happening, the wise Latina Sotomayor somehow found it in her heart to defend the school and to put a stop to this. How did that happen? I have an idea. I think it happened perhaps because Judge Clarence Thomas and she have become friends. Clarence Thomas is a discipled man. I would imagine that Clarence Thomas wants to make disciples. She may have observed there's something different about this Thomas. We disagree on all these intellectual things, and yet he is my friend. Maybe she is being worked on. Maybe God is at work there. He's at work everywhere, but maybe he's at work in changing her, at least on that topic. And no, I have not been persuaded that, that Sonia Sotomayor knows the Lord or knows morality. But in this case, so much of this can be traced back to a decision that we allowed the Supreme Court to make and then Congress didn't override because Congress didn't want it overridden. There is a detail of this. It's a great story in Mark Levin's great book called Men in Black, How the Supreme Court is Destroying America. It's the story of a fantastic lie. It was the Supreme Court's fantastic lie that allowed the administrative state, which is an extra constitutional invention of the government out of laziness and duplicitousness that the, uh, the Congress and the Senate refused to rein in. President Trump was on his way to reining it in. One of the reasons why they had to get rid of Orange Man. A court was asked to find a way to force a farmer to obey the federal government's rules about farming. When that farmer said, no, I will not sell my product outside the state of Iowa. Why? Because I don't want to mess with the feds. I don't want them making decisions for me. I don't want to follow their diktats. Therefore, I will not engage in interstate commerce. I will engage in in-state commerce only. My products will not leave the state of Iowa from my, from my hand, unless people decide to resell them. I will not sell outside my state of Iowa. The Supreme Court took that case because he was accused of not following the interstate commerce laws. His defense was, I don't do interstate commerce. The Supreme Court said, no, you do. Your decision to not sell outside the state of Iowa affects interstate commerce. Therefore, you are engaged in interstate commerce. This is very much like saying, your decision to not have sex until you're married is having sex. And that decision was unchallenged by Congress. They could have come back and clarified that with a couple of lines, but they didn't because they didn't want to. And that created the ability for the federal government to have tentacles everywhere. And when power becomes concentrated and human beings get to wield it, 
very few of them will remember that they're stewards. They're not acting like stewards. They're acting like bosses. They're acting like owners. They're acting like owners of what? They're acting like owners of us. And what is particularly frightening about this is the fact that a lot of people appear to want to be owned. This is an unbelievably disturbing bit of a polling done by Axios. Nick Gillespie from Reason Magazine drew attention to this. Share of adults who agree with these statements. Strong, unelected leaders are better than weak elected ones. Total, 33% of people agree with that. 31% of Democrats. 42% of Republicans agree that strong, unelected leaders are better than weak elected ones. Now, it's a sloppily worded question. What better leaders or better for the country? No, strong unelected leaders are never better than elected ones because strong unelected leaders will end up being tyrannical unelected leaders. There's not a time in history that's not been the case. Second question, president should be able to remove judges whose decisions go against the national interest. Total, 35%. 29% of Republicans agree with that. 42% of Democrats yeah, agree. Yeah, a president should say, you're removed. You're going against the national interest. Now, if the judge has committed treason, there's a remedy for that. There's a trial. There's an ability to put people on trial, but just remove? We started going back to wanting kings. Not you, not me, not the listeners to this cast, not the podcast family. We don't want that, but other people do. They deeply, deeply, deeply want kings. Question three, government should be, um, government should side with the majority over ethnic religious minority rights. And this is all equally spread. 38% overall, 39% of Republicans, 38% of Democrats. Government should side with? Government's not to side with anybody. Government exists to protect our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness within the constitutional limits prescribed by the founders, recognizing that we have God and we're created by God. There's so many points of departure. There's so many ways we've gone away. One of the key ones has to do with the press. We need to make them decide what they are. So-called journalists are hiding Campaign donations behind the First Amendment. It's a pretty simple thing. You're an opinionist or you're not. If you label a TV show news and that news is funded by, let's say, Big Pharma and you refuse to criticize Big Pharma, you're morally obligated to say, hey, we're not allowed to criticize Big Pharma here because they pay our bills and we've been told editorial decisions. You are morally obligated to say, we've made the editorial decision here on this network. We will never question Tony Fauci. You're morally obligated to do that. They're immoral people, amoral people. They won't do that. It's a lie of omission that leads to lies of commission. Now, this is a careful one to walk because I, of course, am a pretty absolute fan of the First Amendment and I'm also a fan of consistency. 
These organizations are making campaign donations and they're hiding them behind the First Amendment. If there's a reason for a federal communications commission, and I don't necessarily convinced that there is, well, then they should be able to go after this. There is a federal elections commission. And when entities hide their intent, they're engaged in false advertising. They're engaged in bait and switch. They're engaged in campaign donations hiding behind the First Amendment. This is a clip from the separate country of Washington and a woman running to replace Patty Murray in the Senate. My prediction about this woman, Tiffany Smiley, is that she is absolutely milk toast. That within a couple of years, she will be just like a Jamie Herrera Butler or a Dan Newhouse. I don't have any reason to believe she has any conservative principles whatsoever. Because I've seen her, I've seen her presentations are as milk toast as they come, including to the fact that she wants more funding for the government schools, but just for the teachers, just for the teachers. She doesn't want to talk about the so-called social issues. She doesn't want to talk about the attack on kids' sexuality. She wants to talk taxes. But she's going after one of the worst members of the Senate in history, Patty Murray, who is a, 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 a well, ungodly just begins it. Or maybe it begins it and encompasses all of it. So Tiffany Smiley went um, to the Everett Herald. She was told that she was going to be in a side-by-side questioning session with Patty Murray. That's how this was sold to her. She did a good thing here. She confronts the press here. It's one of the only brave things, aside from running for office, because running for office is brave. That legitimately is brave. She deserves credit for that. Uh, but this is one of the few stand-up things I've seen Tiffany Smiley do, and I'm glad she did it. Uh, Ms. Smiley, please go ahead. Yes, I think I'll start with my statement. Um, Very good. Patty Murray has spent 30 years in the Senate, and all Washington has gotten out of it is inflation and rising cost of living, out-of-control crime that is shuttering Seattle, and fentanyl that is coming across our border and killing our kids. Someone needs to hold patty murray accountable for the mess she has made of washington state you know growing up here in washington state i was taught that journalism was a noble profession and it did a service to democracy by holding those in position of power accountable maybe one day that was true it's clearly not true now you and your colleagues in the corporate media across this great state don't just give patty murray a pass You carry her water. This interview today was supposed to be Patty Murray and me sitting here, side by side, answering questions, debating the issues that are affecting our state and helping our citizens to understand the choice that is in front of them. But Patty Murray bailed because she is afraid to face me, afraid to face anyone who will point out the grave consequences of her failure to serve the people of Washington, and you covered for her, accepting her demands and changing the format to help insulate Patty Murray from any sort of tough questioning. Well, because you won't hold Patty Murray accountable, I will. I will hold her accountable for her 30-year career as a do-nothing Washington bureaucrat. I will hold her accountable for raising taxes going into a recession. I will hold her accountable for keeping our kids out of school. I will hold her accountable for the fentanyl that is destroying our communities all over this great state. 
I will finish how I started, talking directly to the voters over and around the corporate media who continue to bend the knee to Patty Murray and her liberal friends, and I will win this race. What I will not do, however, is continue to play part in this farce of a non-debate. There are plenty of open-minded Washingtonians out there, and I'd much rather be talking to them. Thank you for your time. And she ended the Zoom session. It's the first, first solid thing I've seen her do. More people need to do this. The First Amendment protects two professions by name. Effectively, it protects the clergy and it protects journalists, although freedom of the press isn't for journalists. It's for all of us. It was for pamphleteers. So the same media that carries, as Smiley said there, water are actually activists. They need to be treated as such because they departed from their specific constitutional provision to be a free media. A free media would be required morally, spiritually to tell the whole truth, and they don't. Somewhere along the line, I'd love to know when, church became unimportant, even for God-believing people, even for people who believe they are saved even for people who profess to be serious Christians. Where else do we gather to learn how to measure our world according to the word of God? I read it on my own. It's me and God. Okay. So you're never challenged? You never hear another's point of view to say, actually, I never thought of it that way. This weekend, God gave me the great honor of working through me to help a brother see something differently. He was really hurting, really, really hurting because something had befallen his family that no one wishes on anybody. No one with character wishes on anybody. I didn't know what to say until I was sitting in church. And the Lord simply handed me something and said, call your friend and say this. That wouldn't have happened without church. It wouldn't have happened without that education. Folks, friends, we can't stand on the foundation that is the word of God until we stand in the foundation that is the word of God. The Lord Jesus did not say, give everybody Bibles and teach them to read. It's not what he said. When the apostles set about to follow the word of God, through Christ Jesus, they didn't say, let's print up a lot of his speeches and hand them out. Now, that was part of it to document what the Lord did and said so that it was never lost for his word will not die away. What did they do? They formed a body. What was it? Church. What did they do? They taught people how to be different from the world. They taught people what leadership looks like how a husband is to treat a wife, how a wife is to treat a husband, how are we to educate kids, what love means. In the mind of God, what does love mean? It doesn't mean a feeling of attraction. It's verbs. 
So we can all day long go back through the chain analysis of government and still not scratch the surface, or we could go to the very, very beginning. If we want godly leadership, we have to know what it means. That is, we have to live within it. That means we have to go to a thing that the Lord Jesus created. He called it church. And somehow that's been stolen from us in a busy society that tells us, really, it just needs to be you and the woods. That was my dad's church. Big T in the woods. Yes, I do believe the Lord saved him. Yes, I do believe. I know his soul existed. And yes, I do believe the Lord will save us. But if we don't save ourselves, the lies by being taught the truth, how do we save our country? The greatest consolation prize we can get. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And man, I'm begging you, darken the doorway to a good biblical church.